0: Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. This is the 70th episode of Just Keep Rolling, I'd like to introduce your hosts, I give you me, I'm Ellen, and Katie! And
1: let the 70th episode begin with the rolling rehash! (whistles) Last week we covered the first part of Chapter 8, the Quidditch World Cup, and its corresponding film scenes. The movie decided not to roll out the purple carpet for the spectators. Apparently, Harry thinks all house elves look the same. Winky's vertigo is out of control, but that doesn't stop her from following her master's orders. Lucius doesn't approve of boasting, but will never pass up a chance to tear down a Weasley. Scars communicate when words can't with the Bulgarian minister. And Percy's eyes turn green when Fudge gets chummy with the boy who lived.
0: During episode 69, Activate Scorn, we had two Potter Ponderings. The first one was... What did you think about the Quidditch Stadium the first time that you saw it? Did it fit what you imagined from the book's description? Carly says she feels like the stadium was interesting. It was like a hole in the ground though, so not really for that. She thinks something that looks more like the Hogwarts stadium but more rows of seats would have looked closer to what she was imagining.
1: Yeah, Quincy said the stadium was stupid and cheap looking in the movies. He wanted to see the gold! He wanted pizzazz. He needed to see the minister's box! giggity. <laughs> <laughs> and he needed people to stop acting like the Weasleys being poor is their whole personality trait. There's more to them than that! They're literally the first people to ever treat Harry like family, and all we get in the movies is some dumb shit about them being able to be the first to know if it rains. Like, what happened to all the people from the ministry who respect Arthur? What happened to Bill and Charlie in this movie? Where the fuck is Percy? And then he said, See, now look, y'all got me started. Anyways, what was the question? (laughs) Oh yeah, the stadium was majorly underwhelming. I was not whelmed.
0: Diana responded that she thinks you can only be whelmed in Europe.
1: (laughs) Juliana pictured the Quidditch stadium more like a taller, large American football stadium. The one in the movie didn't look sturdy enough to hold all those spectators. It also makes sense that the cheaper seats would be closer to the ground, which is the opposite of most sporting events.
0: Dave said that he thought it looked like a stadium. In real life, a high school football stadium is a cheap basic version of the same as a more expensive college stadium looks, slash is built. A professional stadium is the same, just fancier and bigger. When they build a new stadium to hold, say, the Olympics, it's still the same, just bigger and fancier but the Quidditch World Cup stadium was completely different from the Hogwarts stadium design with its vertical seating as opposed to your basic standard types of design elevated. He thought that was cool, but it made him wonder if constructing things by magic costs different amounts based on the magical materials you use. Do you need to buy the pine to make a table by magic, or buy more expensive oak to magically make one out of oak? Does it take a long time to build a big magical building? Or just quick waves of some construction wands. Because Dave likes to ask questions.
1: Yep, always got a question for
0: us. If anybody feels like jumping on the post and answering any of these, go right ahead. Yeah.
1: Max said that he loved it. It looks like Wembley Stadium,
0: but bigger. Mike said he has no memory of the movie Stadium. He regularly watches the first three movies, but four and up just diverge so much from the books that he rarely revisits. I feel him on that one. Definitely.
1: Also, our second Potter pondering, per Carly's question, is who is your fantasy casting for Ludo Bagman? Quincy said that he stands by James Corden. And Carly
0: also loves the idea that Quincy had. She says that that would be so cute, and she feels like he brings that perfect boyish charm they always talk about. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Juliana pictured Ludo to be kind of like Lockhart.
0: Which is exactly what I said, and she said that before she heard that. So right? same way in blank there, Juliana. It's exciting.
1: <laughs> oh no, they're starting to think like us. <laughs> <laughs> but she said they were described similarly. She thought of Hugh Grant at first, but even better, Matt Smith, but blonde. He could pull off the boyish charm superbly.
0: I do love Matt Smith, but I feel like he's too gangly.
1: He is very gangly, but I feel like he could...
0: Personality for sure.
1: The personality is definitely there.
0: Sarah also agrees with Juliana, saying a young Hugh Grant would have been an amazing Ludo. Mm -hmm. Considering that he was originally considered for Lockhart, that kind of makes sense. Right. But she also thinks that Vince Vaughn would have been spectacular as well. Ooh. Right? Yeah,
1: I can see it. Mike suggested dyeing Hugh Jackman's hair blonde and giving him some pudge.
0: All I keep seeing is Wolverine in Quidditch robes, though, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that might make me go to matches.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Max suggested John Barrowman as Bagman and said, imagine the banter.
1: That sounds so just happy making. Right. I would
0: love that. Again, doesn't have the right bod for it. No. But personality, it would be fantastic. Oh, my God, I love him.
1: He could pull that off. Yeah. Our trivia question last week was, which player scored the first goal during the Quidditch World Cup? Harry has the speed on his omnioculars turned down and misses the first goal, which he finds out about as Ludo Bagman announces that Troy was the one to make the first goal.
0: And congratulations goes to Mike Riley, who was the first of many to answer this week.
1: Yeah, we got correct answers from Dave, Robert, Jackson, and Quincy.
0: Plus, Max, though he wasn't actually bothering to answer, he just wanted to say hashtag my dream about food trumped Potter for once. (laughs) Which,
1: I mean, that's fair. Yeah, It was really fun to see all the people that answered the question this week, though.
0: I know. I love it. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see who answers it this week, because Mike's now on a five-week streak. And I wonder, is he going to keep it? Or is somebody else going to beat him to it?
1: We will see. That's for sure. For now. Let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 8, the Quidditch World Cup, and the corresponding film scenes.
0: Chapter 8, The Quidditch World Cup, Part 2. Ludo Bagman pulls out his wand, points it at his throat, and says, "Sonorus." His magnified voice booms around the stadium as he welcomes everyone to the final of the 422nd Quidditch World Cup. As everyone cheers, the blackboard wipes clean and presents the score, Bulgaria 0, Ireland Zero. Bagman introduces the Bulgarian national team mascots, and Mr. Weasley begins hurriedly polishing his glasses as he realizes the team brought Vila. Harry starts to ask what Vila are, but his question is answered as a hundred of the most beautiful women he had ever seen glide onto the field. With their moon-bright skin and white-gold hair, he doesn't think they can be human, but he stops worrying about that as soon as they start dancing. As they dance, his mind goes blank before he starts thinking about something impressive he could do and considers jumping from the box into the stadium. He distantly hears Hermione's voice ask what he's doing and then the music stops. Harry finds himself standing with one leg resting on the wall of the box. Next to him, Ron is posed like he's about to dive from a springboard and the whole stadium starts to fill with angry yells, not wanting the villa to go. Harry is with them, wondering why he's wearing a large green shamrock, since he would, of course, be supporting Bulgaria. And Ron is absent-mindedly shredding the shamrocks from his hat. Mr. Weasley stops him, telling him that he'll want that once Ireland has their say. Ron is momentarily confused as he stares at the villa, and Hermione tuts as she pulls Harry back into his seat. Then Ludo Bagman announces the Irish national team mascots, and a green and gold comet zooms across the stadium and a rainbow arcs over the field before fading and being replaced with a giant shimmering shamrock that soars over the stands, raining gold. Mr. Weasley exclaims, Leprechauns! as everyone begins to rummage around and fight for the gold. Ron gives a bunch to Harry to pay him back for the omnioculars as the shamrock dissolves, and Bagman announces the Bulgarian players, followed by the Irish players, and then the referee. Hassan Mustafa. The small and skinny bald wizard with an impressive mustache takes the field, mounts his broom, releases the balls, and blows his whistle to start the match. The players all take off, and Bagman barely only has time to say their names as they quickly pass around the quaffle. Harry watches through his omnioculars and presses the play-by-play button to slow it down and read the different plays in glittering purple letters across the lenses. He becomes extremely confused when Levski has the quaffle, but Bagman announces that Troy scores, until Hermione points out that he's going to miss things if he doesn't watch them at normal speed. He returns the omnioculars to their normal speed, and continues watching as Ireland scores twice more, bringing the lead to 30-0. Eventually, Ivanova manages to score Bulgaria's first goal, and the game continues. Bulgaria has control of the quaffle when Crum and the Irish seeker, Lynch, plummet towards the ground, seemingly after the snitch. Hermione is sure they're going to crash, but at the last second, Crum pulls out of the dive, though Lynch hits the ground with a dull thud. Mr. Weasley moans that Crum was fainting, and Ireland calls a timeout so the medics can look at Lynch. Harry replays what happened on his omnioculars and learns that Crum used the dangerous seeker diversion called the wrong-ski defensive feint, and was only pretending to see the snitch. Lynch gets to his feet, and the green-clad supporters all cheer as he mounts his firebolt and the game continues. Ireland gets a penalty for copping. The leprechauns form the words ha 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 in the air, and the Vila start to dance in retaliation, distracting the referee and causing him to flex his muscles and smooth his mustache excitedly, until a Medi wizard kicks him in the shins. Mustafa tries to send the Bulgarian mascots off, which leads to an argument with the Bulgarian beaters, and ends in a second penalty for Ireland. Then a third, as the Bulgarian beaters begin to play extra dirty and nearly knock Moran off her broom. The leprechauns form a giant hand making a rude gesture, and the Vila all lose control, launching themselves across the field, throwing handfuls of fire at the leprechauns as their faces elongate into sharp, cruel-beaked bird heads, and long, scaly wings burst from their shoulders. Mr. Weasley takes this opportunity to explain that is why they should never go for looks alone, and the match continues. Ireland scores again, and Crumb takes up Ledger to the face. There's blood everywhere, but no one seems to notice to call a timeout. Instead, Lynch goes into a dive, and Harry is sure he's seen the snitch. Crumb is right on Lynch's tail, both of them again hurtling towards the ground, and once more... Lynch crashes. Crum rises back into the air holding the snitch up high. Bagman is surprised and shouting that Ireland wins. Crum gets the snitch, but Ireland wins, and Ron wonders why he caught the snitch when they were behind by 160 points. Harry points out that they were never going to win and he must have just wanted to end it on his terms, and Hermione calls him very brave. As the Irish national anthem blares, the Bulgarian Minister of Magic says they fought very bravely, and Fudge is outraged to realize that he can speak English and had been letting him mime everything all day. Bagman continues announcing as the Irish team takes a lap of honor, and the Quidditch World Cup is brought to the top box, followed by the Bulgarian team, whose names are announced one at a time. Crum looks a real mess, but the crowd cheers loudly when his name is called. Then came the Irish team with Moran and Connolly supporting Lynch, who seems very dazed by his second crash, though he still grins happily. They hoist the cup into the air as everyone claps and cheers, then take another victory lap. Bagman points his wand at his throat and says quietus as the Weasley twins scramble over their seats, hands outstretched for their winnings.
1: The movie section starts out right as the Weasleys, Harry, and Hermione make it to their spots just as the Irish team flies past them and onto the pitch to an upbeat Irish jig. Fred, George, Hermione, and Ginny are decked out in Irish swag, while Ron and Harry are sporting Bulgarian colors. The twins yell out the Irish players' names, Troy, Mullet, and Moran, as they watch the team fly upward, trailing green and gray smoke behind them before setting off fireworks that manifest into a dancing leprechaun. They fly off into a lap around the field as the crowds chant and cheer before the Bulgarian team arrives, flying through the dancing leprechaun in a flash of red sparks. The music changes to a more intense Bulgarian theme as they fly towards the Irish and send them scattering. The camera focuses on one player in particular as Ginny asks who that is, and one of the twins informs her that that is the best seeker in the world. The Bulgarian team flies in front of a magical banner collage that pictures the Bulgarian seeker as the crowd chants, Crum, Crum, Crum! The banner crumb flies partway around the stadium and stops as a red and black flag reading Crum drops behind him. The real crumb flies in front of the banner and raises a fist in the air as the crowd continues to cheer. It cuts to Cornelius Fudge pointing his wand at his throat to magnify his voice as he welcomes everyone to the final of the 422nd Quidditch World Cup. He calls for the match to begin and points his wand towards the field, sending a white light shooting across it,
0: then up towards the camera as the screen goes white. So again, we're looking at corresponding film scenes in the sense that they happen at the same time in the story. Mm Mm-hmm. But the actual details included in this section really aren't similar at all. Forget not really corresponding.
1: It majorly changed the details, kind of showed things in reverse, and just completely left the majority of this half of the chapter
0: out. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Last week in Chapter 8, we left off right when Ludo Bagman arrived in the top box, asking if they were ready to start. So this week, we start with Fudge telling Bagman he is, and Ludo magically amplifying his voice above those of the crowd to welcome everyone to the 422nd Quidditch World Cup. The movie includes something hmm, similar, but it's not the same. Not only
1: that, it happens at the end of this film scene, not at the beginning, so we'll get to
0: that. Mm -hmm. In the book... The crowd screams and claps, and the board that had been flashing advertisements now shows Bulgaria Zero, Ireland Zero. Bagman introduces the Bulgarian national team mascots.
1: In the movie, the teams don't
0: quite get introduced. It
1: starts out with the Weasley clan reaching their seats.
0: Which are definitely not the purple and gold chairs like described in the book. But then, they also weren't in the top box like they were in the book
1: they were in a top box but it wasn't v i wouldn't top even call box. that a box <laughs> well yeah that's true <laughs> they were at the top but it seemed more like the nosebleed section right
0: it was super high above yeah the goalposts yeah the top box in the book was made to seem like it was right at the perfect eye level in the center of the two which would be an amazing view yeah but they were like hundreds of feet above the goalposts it seemed by the way they designed it
1: (laughs) yeah it definitely seemed like they were just up in the nosebleed section but i mean i mean that's what nazi von douchebag the first implied so yeah that was kind of the idea thank goodness it didn't (laughs) rain right Fred, George, Hermione, and Ginny are
0: decked out in Irish swag while Ron and Harry are sporting Bulgarian colors. Which also goes against the book, since we know from the previous chapter that Ron bought the Irish swag. We also find out a bit later in this part of the chapter that Harry is sporting a green rosette.
1: Ron did buy the crumb figure, but that's a far cry from how they portrayed Ron in the film. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like top to bottom, just... Face paint. Yeah. Bulgarian. Yep. Exactly. Hats. Hats. (laughs) You can also actually see Cedric just off to the side, but he's not decked
0: out in any team colors or anything,
1: because apparently Cedric is just too cool for swag.
0: Or maybe his dad blew his whole load on getting the tickets and couldn't afford to buy anything else. Maybe. I guess that's possible. But can we talk about
1: how the Irish scarves look like Slytherin scarves? Like, why are the colors green and gray?
0: Shouldn't they be green and white? Being that you are Irish and Slytherin, are you actually upset by that? I mean, kinda. Like,
1: I wouldn't mind it myself, (laughs) personally, but that might scare off some people from supporting the Irish. But then you
0: could say that those people are (laughs) housest. Not the point. In the book, Mr. Weasley notices that the Bulgarians have brought Vila, Before Harry can ask what they are, he sees that they are the most beautiful women he has ever seen. Of course he does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This part was not shown in the movie scene, as the teams did not bring mascots, though they did kind of have a spectacle.
0: It would have been fun to see the mascots, though. I agree, because in the book, Harry just stares at the villa and wonders what they are because they can't be human. (laughs) But then they start dancing, and all Harry can think about is how to impress them.
1: Which I mean, that's very hairy, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> showing off what? What? He doesn't do that. Ever. <laughs> when the music stops, Harry finds himself trying to climb over the edge of the top box.
1: <laughs> that
0: shit's dangerous. Right. <laughs> and Ron is next to him, frozen in a position as if he's about to dive off of a springboard. Like hearing that though, I
1: have to say, it would kinda suck to be a Vila. <laughs> And have that much attention on you.
0: I mean, considering that they're not human, we don't know for sure that they actually have that kind of humanity that they wouldn't be delighted if a bunch of people just dove from a large height into a stadium. Yeah, true. They were not really think about that. Anyway, angry yells, fill the stadium. And Harry wonders why he's wearing a green rosette. Like I said, we find out later that he was indeed supporting Ireland. Mm-hmm. But he's thinking to himself... Like, I'm going to be supporting Bulgaria. Did you see these women? (laughs) uh, Yeah, whatever they want, I do. (laughs) I'll have what they're having. Right? (laughs) I'll have what they're going to give me. (laughs) He and Ron are in a daze. And Mr. Weasley pulls the green shamrock decorated hat that Ron's shredding away from him. And tells him that you're going to want that when Ireland has their say.
1: Mm -hmm. Not only did this... What happened in the movie? (laughs) The Bulgarian team did not enter the pitch first. In the film, they had just gotten to their seats as the Irish team flies right over their heads and into the stadium. Their arrival doesn't even get announced, since we haven't gotten to the announcer part yet. The twins just start yelling out a few of the Irish players' names, Troy, Mullet, and Moran.
0: Well, who needs to know about Connolly, Ryan, Quigley, or Lynch? Apparently not the movie
1: watchers. But then instead of mascot performances, the Irish team flies upward, trailing green and gray smoke behind them before they set off fireworks that manifest into a giant
0: dancing leprechaun. So this is kind of a nod to the book Mm -hmm. because they got like the one big leprechaun. Yeah. And it is made out of like a bunch of little fireworks sparkles. Yeah. Whereas everything that they did in the book was made out of actual little leprechauns. Yeah. So I guess... It was just like, hey, leprechaun, we see you. We're not going to do you (laughs) properly, but we see you. (laughs) Because Bagman introduces the Irish national team mascots and those little leprechauns I mentioned come flying out in a green and gold comet that split across the field, making a rainbow between the goalposts before rejoining to form one giant shamrock that then flies around the stadium and rains gold. See, yeah, I'm supporting them. Right? <laughs> and that's when Harry sees that that shamrock is made up of the little tiny leprechauns. Mm-hmm. It's made up of little tiny bearded men with small pots. Sure. <laughs> and Mr. Weasley is the one who goes, leprechauns! <laughs> As everybody starts scavenging for gold. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Right?
1: Be the first thing I fucking did,
0: tell you what. Ron gives Harry a handful of the gold coins the leprechauns had distributed, saying now he has to get him a Christmas present.
1: Which, I mean, that's a really generous team that's going to just give away gold. Right. You know, that seems too good to be true. Maybe. You know, crazy talk. If it's too good to be true, it's
0: probably not. Exactly.
1: (laughs) In the movie, it's just the team that flies around the field as the crowds chant and cheer before the Bulgarian team arrives, flying through the dancing leprechaun in a flash of red sparks. The music changes to the more intense Bulgarian theme, because, you know, Bulgarians are intense. I mean, did you see Crumb? Right. I mean, it was very fitting music, I have yeah. to say. Oh, no, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and they all fly towards the Irish and send them scattering, because, again, that's what you do when you've got booming Bulgarian music <sighs> and booming Bulgarian dudes on Bowling brooms. for Irish! <laughs> yes! <laughs> exactly. The camera focuses on Victor Crum and... What the fuck is he doing on his broom? Broomnastics? Like, is he trying to be like fucking Tony Hawk on his broom? Maybe. Ginny <laughs> asks who he is, and one of the twins tells her that he is the greatest seeker in the world. We don't know which one. It was either Fred or George. Yeah. The hatless twin. Whichever <laughs> yes. one that was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The hatless twin. <laughs> the hatless twin. Whatever. Yeah, that's that was the only way we could... Right?
0: I feel really bad that we don't just know them. Maybe we should just pick one and declare it and just say it with confidence every time. It was definitely, definitely George. George. What? <laughs> well, the hatless twin. The
1: hatless twin. That didn't work out. <laughs> uh, the Bulgarian team also doesn't have mascots, so no Vila. Which
0: just completely erases part of fleur's identity but we'll get to that later yeah
1: i mean fleur who's fleur we don't know fleur yet what (laughs) spoilers the bulgarian team flies in front of a magical banner collage of crumb as the crowd chants his name banner crumb flies partway around the stadium and stops as a red and black flag reading crumb drops behind him all on the banner the real crumb flies in front of said banner and raises a fist in the air as the crowd continues to cheer So, there's a banner of crumb falling behind the picture of crumb in the banner. Bannerception. 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 And it's behind the actual Victor Crumb. So, it's
0: crumbception. (laughs) Crumbception. It's a lot of crumb. It's a whole lot of
1: crumb. That's the way the cookie crumbles. (laughs) Moving on. Also, they go all out for the Bulgarians with, like, moving crumb banners, and all the Irish get is Top of the Morning spray-painted on someone's fucking bedsheet. Well, they had the dancing leprechaun. They did have that, but I mean... Come on. He had an entire stadium
0: banner. Like... Yes. (laughs) Jesus H. But maybe the Bulgarians planned their own intro. Mm. And they were just better at planning it. I guess so.
1: But aside from crumb, there is no announcement of the other Bulgarian players, because... You know,
0: Krum is like the LeBron. Right. (laughs) In the book, After the Mascots Perform, Ludo Bagman introduces the Bulgarian National Quidditch team player by player as they come out, each in scarlet robes. So we know Dimitrov, Ivanova, Zogrov, Levski, Volkanov, Volkov, and Krum. I'm really glad you're the one that had to read all those. Oh, I did that on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that i said them right i did my best hey no one can judge you then well they can they can but they shouldn't because you tried your best anyway moving on (laughs) harry thinks crumb looks like an overgrown bird of prey and finds it hard to believe that he's only 18 (laughs) this is the second time they brought up his age being so young i wonder why hmm it's almost like it's foreshadowing to something maybe i don't know hmm we'll have to see we shall hmm Ludo introduces the Irish national Quidditch team, all seven players speeding out onto the field. I'm not going to say their names again because we already did that. Yeah. I just wanted to give Bulgaria some love too.
1: Sure. Okay. (laughs) In the movie, it then cuts over to Cornelius Fudge, who points his wand at his throat to magnify his voice. He welcomes everyone to the final of the 422nd Quidditch World Cup and calls for the match to begin.
0: So like we were saying kind of similar to the book somewhat sure in that a voice was magically magnified and then welcomed everyone to the 402nd final of the quidditch world cup even though in the book it was bagman
1: mike newell don't care what's in the book fuck the book fuck ludo bagman in the movie it's fudge But then he points his wand towards the field, sending a white light shooting across it, then up towards the camera as the screen goes white and the scene ends.
0: Apparently, Buck Quidditch 2.
1: Newell! Newell! (laughs) I'm honestly surprised they actually passed on the opportunity to give us a 40-minute sports ball interlude. Like, especially because the chapter goes into great
0: detail about it. That's honestly why we had to split this into two sections. Because there's a lot of details about the match in the book. That made the chapter really long, and the movie was just like, white light.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just kind of
0: gave up. It really did. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they even tried filming any of it, or if they made that decision from the get-go. I don't know. I mean, we didn't. there weren't even any deleted scenes of it, so... Yeah, I guess they figured it had enough action happening later in the movie that it wasn't necessary, but disappointing. And the funny thing is, is the action that happens later
1: isn't in the fucking book. <laughs> Most of it. Yeah, that's true. So new we're going <laughs> to so cut out the action that's in the book
0: and replace it with action that's that not wasn't in the book. Because that makes total sense. Well fucking done. But in the book, as the match starts, Harry uses his omnioculars to slow the players down and see that they all rode firebolts. Well, Harry's like on a professional fucking broom. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Little Bagman makes his final introduction, welcoming the chair wizard of the International Association of Quidditch, Hassan Mustafa from Egypt. The small wizard with a large mustache walks onto the field, mounts his broom, kicks open the chest containing the quaffle, two bludgers and the tiny golden snitch, and blows his whistle. Then he shoots into the air after the balls. <laughs> they said that like that just for you. Balls. <laughs> In the movie, Ron is holding something that
1: must be the omnioculars, but I gotta say, they really aren't what I imagined them looking like.
0: No, I expected them to be smaller. Yeah. And those were like the size of his head. Yeah, this was like a giant glass eye. Like, I <laughs> wouldn't want to hold that for an entire Quidditch match. Right? That's what I was thinking, too. Little, I just thought they'd be like little like binoculars, but with magic. Yeah. Magic binoculars. omnioculars because omni means all yeah you see everything exactly not just what's right in front of your eyes yeah
1: which as a concept is pretty awesome
0: but yeah if i had to hold the thing that ron's got the whole time i'm now imagining it to be like part of a hat (laughs) so you can just wear it and just sets it in front of your face so it's like google glass yeah (laughs) or it's like one of the beer hats that has the attached straws (laughs) I was trying not to think of it that way because it was
1: going to make me laugh too hard, but well done.
0: (laughs) But they don't even have Harry and Hermione with any in the movie either. And they obviously had him in the book because Harry's the one who bought them. Mm -hmm. But maybe they didn't want to bother making three sets of those ridiculous... Heaven forbid. Right? So the match is going on and Harry is in complete awe of the speed of the game. Like... Ludo Bagman only has time to say the player's name as they pass the quaffle around because it's just that's all he can get out before somebody else has the quaffle. Yeah. So Harry turns the dial on his omnioculars down so he can watch it in slow motion and really see what's going on. And then gets really confused when Bagman shouts that Troy scored the first goal and the score is 10 to 0 Ireland. Which was our trivia question.
1: Yep. I mean I would want to slow it down but at the same time I would get so confused cuz I would want to like look up right over it and look at the actual field and stuff and then I'd be like wait what the fuck is going on? I wonder if it records
0: it. It must cuz doesn't it say you can do an instant replay? Yeah, you can. I just wasn't sure if it was something that stayed for a while mm. like you could go back and watch the whole game or maybe you can just go back a few minutes and then after a while it disappears. Shit's magic. I'm just going to go with yes. Works for me. <laughs> Hermione tells Harry that he'll miss things if he doesn't watch at normal speed, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And he is pretty annoyed with himself, actually, for doing that. So he adjusts the dial back to the normal speed, just in time to see the leprechauns reform their giant shamrock in celebration.
1: See, that would have been fun to see. Like, why couldn't we have at least had just something like that? Come on. I really just want more Irish time on screen. That's what it is. Let's be honest. (laughs) Makes sense.
0: The more green, the better. (laughs) Yep. The match continues and Harry admires the seamless movements of the Irish chasers. And within ten minutes, Ireland has a 30 to nothing lead. The Bulgarian beaters begin hitting the bludgers brutally at the Irish, forcing them to break their best formations and finally allowing Bulgaria to get past the Irish keeper and score their first goal.
1: Ooh. Way to
0: go, Bulgaria. It's about time.
1: Shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yup. <laughs> Mr. Weasley tells them to put their fingers in their ears as the Vila begin to do a celebratory dance. They are quickly distracted when the crowd gasps as the two seekers plummet down through the other players. Hermione thinks they are going to crash, but she's only half right. The Irish seeker Lynch crashes into the ground with a dull thud, but Crumb had pulled up in a way at the very last second. Well, sneaky, sneaky, Victor Crumb. The Mediwizards hurry onto the field, and Charlie consoles Ginny, who appears to be horrified. Wait, Charlie? Char- Who's that again? Ed Sheeran.
1: Ah, oh yes, okay, gotcha,
0: gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Harry does a replay, play-by-play on his omniocular, so apparently it records something. Something, yeah. And he realizes that Crumb hadn't seen the snitch, and he was just faking out Lynch, and admires the effortless way that Crumb flies. The Ronsky faint. Exactly. Yes. We actually kind of saw this in the movie before. Like, obviously, they didn't include it now, but they kind of had Harry doing that in mm-hmm. his first Quidditch match, even though he had no idea what it was. I say he didn't even know what the fuck he was doing, but he did it. <laughs> and that's not how it happened in the book, but it's kind of neat oh, there's that too to know. Harry then returns the dial to normal speed and watches while Crumb uses the time Lynch is being revived to search uninterrupted for the snitch. Clever boy. Hmm. When Lynch returns to the game, the Irish begin playing with new heart, scoring ten more goals in the next 15 minutes. Damn, guys. Like how did Bulgaria make it to the final? Crum. <laughs> My guess
1: would be they just had Crum catch the snitch before yeah. they could the other
0: team could score too many points. That's what I must I'm going have to been, yeah. yeah. The playing becomes even dirtier which, you know, would tend to happen when you're behind 130 to 10. Sure. And the Bulgarian keeper gets a foul for excessive use of elbows, which I believe is what they call cobbing. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm -hmm. And Irish gets a penalty, which makes the leprechauns fly into the air and form the words, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Vila begin to dance again in retaliation. I mean, this would have been my favorite, part. it's like the Super Bowl halftime show. Right. Like, I wish this would have been in the movie. Mm-hmm. I would have been willing to watch sports ball to be able to see the leprechauns in the villa.
1: Well, that, and it's actually shit that's in the book. Right. Like, it's not just elongated action sequences for the sake of them being action sequences. Like, it's stuff that's actually in the fucking book. Right.
0: <sighs> ah, Newell. <laughs> Harry and the Weasley boys all plug their ears this time. Good call. Yep. But Hermione makes Harry look at the referee who's trying to show off in front of the villa. I just love it. He's just like down there like flexing his muscles and brushing his like <laughs> <laughs> stroking his mustache. Primping himself. Yes. Oh man, I think that would have been hilarious. Ludo is calling for somebody to slap the referee and one of the Medi Wizards just flies across the field and kicks him in the shins.
1: <laughs> I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Right.
0: But that brings him back to his senses and he yells at the viola and starts trying to kick him out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. This whole scene, all of this section with the mascots is hilarious to me and it makes me sad we didn't get to see it. We were so bilked. We Yet were. Again. But anyway, Ludo notices that Mustafa is trying to send off the Bulgarian mascots and says that he thinks this could turn very nasty. And of course, the Bulgarian beaters land and begin arguing with the referee, gesturing at the leprechauns who are spelling out the words, he, he, he. <laughs> <laughs> and after a few more moments of arguing, the Irish end up with another penalty awarded to them.
1: I mean, they kind of they had it coming. Yeah. Bulgaria I mean, did like shouldn't done it. No, man. You don't argue with the ref. It doesn't end well. No. I don't even play sports ball, and I know that. <laughs> That's why when I do watch sports ball, I always cheer for the refs. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. My team never loses. It's
0: amazing. <laughs> but Ireland has their two penalties. Mustafa sends the Bulgarian Chasers back into the air, and the game takes on a whole new level of ferocity. And both teams begin to play without mercy.
1: I mean, it is the Quidditch World Cup. If right. you're
0: not going to... Brust out all the stops now. When will you? No, this is not the time for mercy. No. But the Bulgarian beaters also don't care if they hit another player. They're just kind of hitting things. Mm-hmm. And when one of the Bulgarian players flies straight at one of the Irish chasers, the Irish get another penalty.
1: I mean, to me, this just sounds like a Gryffindor versus Slytherin match.
0: <laughs> Honestly, some of the Gryffindor Slytherin matches we've actually seen in the movie are worse than this, if anything. Yeah, really. Brutal. I mean, this is kinda tame. <laughs> but anyway, this is one of my favorite mascot parts. The leprechauns form themselves into a hand making a very rude gesture at the vila. I love the Irish. I know. I love the Irish. <laughs> and the Vila completely lose control and begin to attack them. And Harry uses his omnioculars to watch as the Vila change into basically birds with like really creepy wings and can throw fire i mean talk about killing a boner (laughs) that's why you don't go for looks alone harry yep just saying so without much success the ministry wizards are trying to separate the villa from the leprechauns (laughs) but the whole match is still going on during all of this yeah and harry watches The even more intense fight going on above as the Irish score another goal. The cheers of the crowd are barely louder than the angry shrieks of the villa below, but the game just continues. As it must. As it must. (laughs) And one of the Irish beaters hits a bludger at Crumb who doesn't duck in time and just takes it straight to the face. It's all right, he's got a hard head. doesn't sound like it. That was a lot of blood.
1: Well, he's got extra to go around.
0: (laughs) The referee doesn't notice because Avila had set his broomstick on fire. <laughs> so nobody ends up calling a timeout and Crum is just forced to keep playing with blood streaming down his face. Sure. Like how was this not enough action to include? I don't, right? If They're it's... literally fighting fire with fire here. Right? <laughs> but even Harry, who was supporting Ireland, really wanted somebody to notice something's wrong with Crum because he's the most exciting player out on the field
1: unless of course you're watching the movie where not only did the match not happen but harry was supporting bulgaria the whole time with a large bulgarian dr seuss style
0: hat seuss <laughs> Bolsusian? Bolsusian. Bolsusian. Okay, it was a Bolsusian hat you know what
1: Let's trademark that shit.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> you just like it because it sounds like ball. It doesn't sound like ball. It's it's ball. Balsusian. Balsusian. Come on. While Bagman is trying to call attention to Crumb's bloody condition, Harry yells to look at Lynch because he's seen the snitch. The Irish supporters all cheer on their seeker, but even injured, Crumb is right on Lynch's tail and drawing closer. Hermione yells again that they're going to crash. Ron shouts that they won't, and Harry says... That Lynch will. <laughs> Poor Lynch. Because he does.
1: Yeah. I mean, he did it once before.
0: Then he crashes for the second time and is stampeded by Angry Vila. While Charlie's asking where the snitch is Charlie. Charlie. Mm-hmm. Who's Charlie again? Ed Sheeran. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Forgetting. Harry yells that it's all over, that Crumb caught it. It takes a moment for the crowd to realize what happened because it was probably all very confusing. Mm-hmm. what with a villa leprechaun fight and lynch crashing into the ground and blood all over crumbs I, it sounds intense right. it's definitely a roller coaster from beginning to end right
1: for sure like i wouldn't know where to look that's one of the good things about being so high up is you can see everything but that's also one of the bad things is you see everything yeah
0: but the crowd screaming louder and louder as Bagman announces that Crum caught the snitch, but Ireland won, 160 to 170. Ron wonders why Crum caught it when the Irish were ahead by 160 points, and Harry tells him that Crum knew the Irish were better players and that they would never catch up, so he ended the game on his own terms. Hermione says that Crum was very brave, as she watches him land to be swarmed by many wizards. Hmm. She
1: went from he looks grumpy to... He was so brave. Foreshadowing, perhaps?
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. We Mm -hmm. shall see.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Harry watches Crumb through his omnioculars, looking surlier than ever. I'm sure blood all over his face doesn't do anything to help that. No, he already looked grumpy, and now
1: he's, like, grumpy
0: and bloody, so. I mean, surly, yeah, I feel like... Grump plus Blood equals Searle. Sure. So it seems fitting. I mean, that math checks out to me. So yeah. But he's surrounded by his dejected teammates while the Irish dance in the Leprechaun's Shower of Gold. It's just such a fun visual. Right? Flags wave and the Irish national anthem blares all around and the Vila are beautiful again, but looking miserable. (laughs) (laughs) It's so well described. Yeah. This would not have been hard to create exactly, yeah. I mean, it may have been hard. That's a lot of special effects, but it would have been worth it.
1: You know, I don't think it would have been any more special effects than a dragon, a dragon flying every fucking where.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. The Bulgarian minister remarks that they fought bravely, and Fudge <laughs> seems irate to find out that the minister speaks English perfectly fine. <laughs> I love this. Right? And the Bulgarian minister is just like, well, it was funny. (laughs) Like you had to mime shit all day. (laughs) I was amused. Like seriously, if I spoke
1: another language and went to another country, I would want to do that just all the time.
0: Well, the fun of it too is if they think you don't understand them, they won't guard what they say. Yeah. That's actually probably also a good political ploy. For sure. Definitely.
1: He's not stupid. Mm.
0: While the Irish players and their mascots do a victory lap, Bagman announces that the Quidditch World Cup is being brought to the top box, which is suddenly magically lit for everyone in the stands to see. Two wizards bring the large golden cup and hand it to Fudge, who still looks pretty angry.
1: Well, sure. I mean, he's literally just had to mime everything all
0: goddamn day. For no reason (laughs) at all. And I bet you anything Fudge said things he shouldn't have said. Oh, definitely. You know he did. But Bagman calls for a loud hand for the gallant losers... And the Bulgarian team enters the box. How cool is it that they're actually in the same box as the team? Right. I mean, not in the movie,
1: obviously, but But yeah, that had to be so great for Harry to see them playing
0: and then all of a sudden they're right there. You're like within 10 feet of me. (laughs) Bagman calls out each of the players' names as they shake hands with both ministers. And when he gets to Crumb's name, the crowd gives a huge roar from both sides. Well, yeah. I mean, he did catch the snitch. He did technically win the game for Ireland. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: True. Very true.
0: (laughs) He kept it from being a five day affair, so. Which apparently they weren't upset about. Apparently. It sounded like a pretty exciting match that you wouldn't necessarily need five days to feel like you got your money's worth.
1: Right. I don't think in this
0: case, like, more would have necessarily been better. Right. It would have just been more. Bagman then announces the Irish team, and even though Lynch seems dazed from his second crash, a huge grin comes across his face when his teammates hoist the cup into the air and the crowd goes wild. Woohoo! The Irish leave the box to do another victory lap around the field, and Bagman ends the spell he'd been using to amplify his voice with quietus. He says that this game will be talked about for years. It was a very unexpected twist that Bulgaria got the snitch, But Ireland won. Mm -hmm. He says he wishes it could have lasted longer and then notices Fred and George, who are grinning in front of him with their hands outstretched because it was not an unexpected twist to them. No,
1: it was damn near planned
0: for them. (laughs) They called it. Right. And he owes them a lot of money now. A lot of money.
1: So much money. (laughs) But this will bring us to the end of chapter eight. And we only have one new actor to talk about for this section, and that is Robert Hardy as Cornelius Fudge. Once again, he literally said like three words.
0: Yeah. He didn't do a lot, but he was very Fudge-like while he did it. Yeah. It would have been really fun to see him interact with the Bulgarian minister Mm -hmm. and having to mime things. Yeah. I think Robert Hardy deserved that chance because he's very good at that flustered Fudge-like persona where he just... You know he's kind of wishy washy and yeah, arrogant at the same time, and <laughs> and kind of a little off his fucking gourd. Yeah, you know, just would have been fun to see, but yeah, definitely. I thought he delivered the announcement well. Sure, it sounded great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good job, Robert Hardy. Good job, indeed. <laughs> we wish we could have seen more of you, but
0: Newell, Arr. Newell. <laughs> I'm now imagining James Gordon doing all of the announcing, though.
1: Right. How much would you like to go to the Quidditch World Cup with Lee Jordan, though?
0: I wonder if that's something he ever got to do in the future. In my mind, yes. Yeah, I like that idea. My headcanon is
1: that he becomes the next Ludo Bagman. Yeah. And here we are at our Potter pondering. What are your thoughts on how the movie left out the entire actual Quidditch match?
0: I want to know. Right. We obviously had a lot of thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. What's your rant Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. We really look forward to reading them.
1: And now we're going to move on to our sorting hat story, which is from Russell Bradley. His house is Ravenclaw, his wand is spruce with phoenix feather core, and his Patronus is an adder, which is a snake. Hmm. He writes, I was working at Best Buy when The Order of the Phoenix came out on DVD. They had the movie playing on repeat on the big screen. I had seen the first few movies, but never really got into them. The acting at the beginning of the fifth movie, between Harry and Dudley, really stood out to me. I felt the acting was more mature than in previous movies, so I decided to read all the books before the sixth movie came out. I mean, that's one way to do it.
0: (laughs) This is somewhat interesting to me. I will read every single book. I love it. Well, I feel like it's one of those things where if you get interested in it enough from watching the first couple movies Mm -hmm. that you decide to start reading the books... You can't really turn back by that point. Like, it's yeah. almost not an option. You're just like, what happens next? Right. <laughs> <laughs> at least that's what happened with me.
1: <laughs> it's the vicious spiral of doom yeah. that just drags you down.
0: <laughs> but thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Russell.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: And if any of you other Keepers out there listening would
1: like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us.
0: You can also just message us on social media. And now for the trivia question. The moment that everyone's been waiting for. (laughs) The moment that everyone skips to. Pretty much. Which is, what does the dishwasher at the Leaky Cauldron claim his job is in front of the villa? The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, no, you are not we'll get a sticker.
1: Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did,
0: and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. If you would like to support
1: us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com justkeeprolling.
0: In addition to getting you some extra perks like Just Keep Rolling swag, patron-only Facebook groups, virtual meetups, bonus contents, and more, your patronage also helps us to continue producing this podcast, our cooking show, and bring more content your way.
1: As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show
0: episodes, monthly blooper reels, vlogs, and other random videos. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 9, The Dark Mark, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep keep rolling. rolling.